0: us to go to um, to follow after Jesus. And so I want to just mention today, kind of beginning with this story. Um, have, you ever, have you ever looked in the mirror and, and you thought to yourself, man, I don't recognize the person I see. Or maybe you're like me and you've looked in the mirror and you thought, you know, I'm not sure. Ah, like I've got to be honest, with you. I've, I've looked in the mirror this week and I thought, man, when did all that gray hair show up? Like it just keeps multiplying every time I look in the mirror. And then... And then I think about this. I think about my wife and my kids and all of you who call this church home, and then I thank God that that's all the gray hair I have, and that I have any hair left. Right This is how it works for many of us. We look in the mirror, and who we think we are, we see a little bit different reflection. Or maybe you have said, or you have thought, "Man, that person looks just like their mom or dad." Or maybe or maybe you've heard someone say something, or you said something, "Oh." I sounded just like my mother or my father, right? So I've got to be honest with you, I really don't look much like my mom or my dad. At least that's what I'm saying, and you can argue with me, but you're wrong. But but here's the reality for us in the middle of this, that, that I was thinking about how my dad used to do this really annoying thing when we were kids and actually still does this really annoying thing today. My dad sings. And you're like, well, that shouldn't be annoying. Yeah, but my dad doesn't try to sing well. Right? He just kind of knows he's not very good. Like, my dad's so bad at singing, he doesn't even sing at church. Like, he'll sing at home, but he won't sing at church, because people might actually hear him there. Um, I don't advocate for that. I think, just sing anyway. Who cares? But but anyway, my dad would always sing these, like, one-line things, and he would sing them in this really annoying voice, and he would repeat the line again and again, and again. I remember one time we were on vacation in Colorado, and my dad kept just saying this line. Uh, we were driving through the Garden of the Gods in, in Denver, and my dad just kept singing Garden of the Gods. That one line. It was so annoying. Right? And I thought, I never want to be like that of my, my family. And then a few weeks ago, I was singing. And I'm not that good either. And I was singing in our kitchen, and Gracie's going, Dad, please stop. And Kitty goes, honey, I think that's enough. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and Isaac goes, well, I like his singing. Dad's a good singer. But that wasn't what bothered me. You know, because I was kind of chuckling about it. What bothered me was that I thought to myself, oh my gosh, that's my dad. I have to tell you that since that happened several weeks ago, I have not done it again. And I probably will never do it again, at least I hope. Because here's the reality. I, when we spend time with people, we become like them. We do we actually change to become like the people we spend time with, and so each of us has a choice in how we change right like we all change. I, I told you I have more gray hair i don 't really have much control over that unless i 'm going to diet. but apparently, all those places are closed right now, so i 'm not doing that either but, but here 's the reality for us we don 't know what to do when we change if we 're not paying attention because the truth is, it's usually things more than the color of our hair or how much hair we have. Those are, are different. And so I would say it this way. We can choose to be aware of who we are becoming. Or we can just wake up one day and realize we became someone we may or may not want to be. The truth is, we either change because we're intentional in our change. Or we change... We're unintentional, but we can't control the outcome. And so each of us probably needs to wrestle with the idea of who are we becoming? Who are you and I becoming today? And see, the truth is, none of us have ever lived through a pandemic before. Um, we just haven't. At least not in America. It's not been something we've done before. This is new territory for all of us. But what it does point out to us pretty easily, pretty quickly, is what drives us. What do we value the most? Do we value other people or is it just really kind of about us? And, and this is tough for us because I could say from a personal standpoint, I'm not really that worried about me. Really not. Not really that worried about my family. But what about my mom who has a heart issue and my grandparents who are pretty old? What about many of you who are part of this church who are older Right? What about some of the people who are part of our, our community of faith who have pre-existing conditions? So when I begin to evaluate even this whole situation in light of all those other people, it changes even my perspective. And so here's the line, maybe it's helpful. We become aware of what our greatest values are in times of crisis. We also become aware of our greatest shortcomings. We become aware of what are our, our greatest values in times of crisis. We also become aware of our greatest shortcomings. And so I can't help but think today that, that Paul writes something that might be helpful for us in Ephesians chapter 5. And in just a moment we'll read this text from Ephesians chapter 5. But, but as I think about Paul, um, I, I just want to talk about him for just a second. See, Paul was the kind of person who was reading all the right things but he was understanding them in all the wrong ways. Paul was like the good churchman of his day. I mean, he was faithful. He was there all the time. He was engaged in what was going on, but he misunderstood the character and nature of God. He was changing, but in all the wrong ways. And so maybe this is helpful. See, Paul came face to face with the reality that he was living for God. But it was the God he had created, not the God of creation. And that's true for Paul, and that's true for so many of us if we're not careful. We begin to live in such a way that we reflect the God we've created, not who God actually is. And so Paul eventually has this dramatic life change. In fact, um, he found himself in darkness because he'd seen a great light, quite literally, in fact. And then Paul's life radically changes. He radically changed. And the truth is for all of us, we can choose to change. We can choose to be radically changed, transformed. Paul had an encounter with Jesus that changed him. And the rest of his life was so different. In fact, he wrote the book of Ephesians trying to help people see a bigger picture of who God was. What God might have for people. In fact, he hoped that people would live with a greater purpose. He wanted people to understand that God's realm, heaven, has broken into here and now. In the middle of a a season in which we're living in this moment, maybe these words are helpful for us to recognize the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven has broken into the here and now. We don't have to live as if hell is present in every aspect of our life, but we can live as if God's kingdom is here in this moment. And So here's what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 to 14. I'll just read it for us. becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Ephesians 5, 8-14, the word of the Lord. Um, You notice that Paul doesn't say that we are living in darkness or living in light. He says we actually become light or dark. That we are one or the other. It's not that we live into those spaces, it's that we really are one or the other. And so I was thinking, Paul does a good job of describing for us what light looks like. He says these three words goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. And so, what's it look like for us to live as light in this day? Well, it probably looks like us to be very wise and discerning and loving with what we post on social media, especially as we're in our homes and that's a place that we've turned to probably more frequently. Let's make sure we're generous and compassionate and gracious in the words that we share. Let's make sure that we live as a people who have compassion for others, for those that are sick. We model generosity to God and others, right? These are the days in which God's unique people, his church can model what it looks like to be loving as he is loving. In fact, we can even show patience when we do go to the store, We cannot be in such a hurry. And so this is the part for us that becomes valuable in this season that what might happen, what might be the changes in my life and in my heart if I began to to truly self-reflect, to take the time to do true internal reflection. I've got good news for you today. That unless you are a healthcare worker or a grocery store employee or you work at a gas station, you have more time right now. You do. And so what if we use that time wisely? What if we use that time to evaluate who we are in light of Jesus? And so here's, I'd say it this way. We live as light when we allow our lives to be evaluated in the light and life of Jesus. We live as light when we allow our lives to be evaluated in the light and life of Jesus. And I've got to be honest with you, personal reflection is difficult. In fact, I was thinking about how so often the personal reflection takes place is because people love us enough to say things to us. And so sometimes we evaluate our life in the light of Jesus by the words of others. I, it's been a couple years ago now, but but I was with a group of guys that, that kind of we were investing in one another. And and I had told something I, I had, had shared how I'd had this opportunity and I turned down this opportunity because I felt like God wanted me to do something different. and And one of the guys stopped me in the room and he goes... Do you want to say, hey, way to go? Say, excuse me? He goes, this is not the first time I've heard you tell this story. In fact, it's the third time I've heard you tell this story. So do you either want me to know that you're really good and you got this really cool opportunity that you turned down and so we should say, hey, man, he's really cool or is it, are you telling me this for the third time because you want to say, well, he's such a martyr. He, he sacrificed for the sake of others. Which one is it? Oh, it's like getting punched in the gut. <laughs> He was right. I, I just want people to know that there was something I had, I had turned down that was a good opportunity, and, and he was right. See, the true, honest, internal reflection was I was sharing that not because, because I just wanted to give their feedback. I was sharing it because I wanted them to think I was good. And how often do we really do this true internal evaluation because evaluating our life in light of Jesus can be painful. We begin to evaluate our life in those kind of ways when we see his love and his light. And so here's a great way for us to begin doing this. It's practicing what, what we talk about in the Old Testament. We, I know we don't use it a lot, but, but there's this thing in the Ten Commandments called the Sabbath. It says, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Like this idea that, that we would rest. And we would rest with intention to just be. That we would rest in God's grace and his love and his truth. And we'd rest in such a way that we would spend time with God. That we would rest in a way that we would stop being so busy. And I can't help but think that maybe in this time, one of the great things we could learn is to embrace Sabbath rest as not just a momentary thing, but as a way of life. And And I don't honestly think God cares what day you practice Sabbath. But that you would practice true rest and renewal, and worship, and prayer, and silence, and maybe solitude, and play. Right? What would it look like if we embraced those kinds of things? We'll be talking actually in some of our first fives the next couple weeks about Sabbath, about rest, about stopping some of the hurry of our life. Because if if I've learned anything, just these is just weak. I'm kind of just staying home. It's that I live a life of hurry, and in that life of hurry, God struggles to speak because I'm not still enough to hear His voice. But I know I'm not alone in that. And so, what might happen if we slowed down and we began to listen and evaluate our life in the light of Jesus? And there's another area of our life that that sometimes that not really Sabbath isn't the issue, but But we allow our past to define our present too much. So some of us live with what we call shame. Shame is one of those things that we hold inside. We look back on our life and things we have done or been a part of. And we just carry that baggage with us. And so shame, shame's hard. But but here's what God's trying to say is this. If we will allow our life to be seen in light of Jesus, then the shame doesn't have to come with us. Because shame is darkness. And when that sees the light of day, we don't have to carry it any longer. We can let go of it truly. And the shame doesn't have to be what defines who we actually are. It's as if Jesus is saying to us, I see your life, I see your past, I see your shame. But if we recognize in light of my love, that does not have to define who you are at all, you can actually be changed. And so I want to be clear on what that is and isn't, meaning that our change that God does in us. It comes a shame. We don't have to carry it any longer. We can let it go. And, and we become light. In fact, I'd say it this way. We get to become light in such a way that it changes us. But here's the thing for us. Sometimes we know we've been changed. And so we then try to be light in someone else's life and we try to change them. And this is what Paul is trying to say, don't do this. We don't get to become the Holy Spirit for someone else to be their conviction. That's what God does. And sometimes we, as Christians, we get in trouble with this because we try to just tell them what to do. And it's why um, Paul writes this, it's shameful to mention what the disobedient do in secret. I like how Dr. Mark Yarhouse, he's a psychologist, I like how he wrote these words. A little bit different subject matter, but I really love this line. He says, Christians... Tend to focus on the sins of others, including sexual sins, while overlooking or discounting their own struggle with sin. Here's what he's trying to say if we live our life focusing on Jesus and not on the sins of others, eventually we don't care about the sins of others because we're more focused about looking in the mirror and beginning to see Jesus in our own reflection. See, when our lives are lived seeking after Jesus, it's who we are that shines light into the world around us. When our lives are lived seeking after Jesus, it is who we are that shines light into the world around us. We literally change. We actually change who we are. See, darkness takes many forms in our lives. There's some easy ones like murder and violence and abuse and oppression. Those are really easy. But when I start talking about fear and anxiety or choosing isolation or gossip or greed, like I start talking about those, we go, oh, those are darkness too? Yeah. Yeah. Those are living into darkness. Those are living as if we are darkness. But what Paul wants us to know is we can live as light. And so in the middle of that, we choose confession, compassion, generosity. We change who we are. And so I was thinking about maybe this way. It might be helpful for us. Um, So have you ever been like in a really dark room You know, the kind of like really dark room and and you've been inside and maybe you've been in this really dark room and it's really sunny outside, but you haven't really been out there yet. And so all of a sudden, maybe you've been like in a movie theater and then when you go outside, you've been in darkness for so long that you walk outside, you literally have to close your eyes. Because it's just too bright and you can't handle it. And so your eyes are closed. And so imagine with me, your eyes are closed, but yet you know you can feel the light on you. You're outside, you can feel the warmth of the sun. You can feel as it warms up your skin. You can feel this bright, shining sun, this light on your body. And then slowly, you open your eyes. And even though you aren't in the dark room anymore, but because you have been covered in that light, you can see again. Your eyes are open. See, this is what happens when we encounter the love and the light and the life of Jesus. As we've been in that dark room and we go into the sun and where we used to not be able to see because it was just so bright, now now we just love the warmth of the sun. And see, this is what it is for us, that, that when we live in the dark, we allow our shame or our past or even our sin to define who we are, we hide it, we push it away. And what Jesus says, listen, if you will just allow my light to shine on you, you will no longer be darkness, but you will become light. And then Paul writes these words that would have been a part of an early church song. It says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And there's a word there that that will shine on you. Um, The word is epiphausko. It's a Greek word. It's literally the only time we can find it used in the New Testament. Epiphausko. And it means to illuminate or to have divine truth shine on you. To shine divine truth. And so let Jesus light up the dark places of your life so that you can bask in the light and truth of Jesus. So what if Jesus begins to shine into our lives? And so I'll begin kind of where I started. Here's the cool thing about the way God works in our lives if we allow him to work. We'll have kind of self-reflection, ask God to to shine his light into our lives. Then when we look in the mirror, all of a sudden we notice that, you know, that isn't who I used to look like. In fact, I look like Jesus. And like, wait a minute, doesn't isn't it pretty arrogant to say you look like Jesus? Well, yeah. But it's not that like I'm changing me it's that God's doing this work in me and so I don't want to diminish the work of what God is doing in me and in you. This is what God says. He says, "Don't you know that you can look like my son? I want you to be to be like him." And we find that this, God will change us and people will begin to see Jesus when they see us. And it happens because God does this work and we open ourselves, we allow his light to shine on us and we become light in the world. So the question you and I are left with is what do we see in the mirror? What is it we see? And what if, what if over time, what if over time we begin to recognize that the more we seek after Jesus, the more we live seeking after him, that the more we would look like him and we would become light. And Paul's words, wake up, sleeper. Right, especially in light of today, we have the time right now to allow God to speak into our hearts and our minds and our lives. And so as Paul writes, you live as light or you live as dark. And the invitation is to know God's love in the person of Jesus. And so you and I can live as light. And so maybe when we look in the mirror, we don't just notice our gray hair or lack of hair or whatever it is. But we go, man, I don't know what God's doing in my life, but I'm starting to look and feel and sound more like Jesus because I want to live my life illuminated. By his divine truth, I want the epiphausco of God to shine on me so that when others see me, they see him. And this is what God can do for us. And so our hope today is that God is still and will continue to change us to look more like him. And so may we be people who, once so the divine truth of God has shined on us, we live in such a way that we're the reflection of Jesus in the world. We pray with me. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together. We thank you guys right now. The praise team is going to come and they're going to lead us in one more song. We'll sing the song, Yes, I Will, because it's this invitation for us to say, yes, I will to God. To say yes to his love and to his grace and to his truth. And so, Father, we pray that today, here, right now, in our living room, at our kitchen table, in our basement, at our buddy's house, wherever we may be, that we'd say, God, I want your light to shine on my life. I don't want to carry shame or sin or baggage, or past things about who I have been, but I want to literally change, and I want to spend more time in relationship with you. And as Paul writes, that once God's divine light shines on us, we're never the same. And so, Father, we ask that your spirit, your love, would shine on us here and now, today. And so we're going to say, yes, I will, to the love of God and to his grace, into his hope, into his truth. And so may we live our lives as reflections of that divine love, not just a reflection, but may we be so changed that when people see us, they see Jesus. And so, Father, we pray all this in your Son, Jesus' name.